not just the one. Wow, I have, you caught up to me. Yeah, um, but I don't want to get any just regular Funko Pop vinyls um, because the one I had before was Homer in his Moo Moo. And the one I have now is George Holistic. Yeah. I went and got that <laughs> after I saw all of the Seinfeld shit at Target. And yeah, that oh was God. in the that one that I saw in my Target was in a different section, and and I couldn't find any more stuff. And then so when you posted the treasure trove from your Target, I was like, holy shit! And then I forgot back in the back like went yeah, in the between nerd section yeah the nerd section like in between <laughs> like almost the end of the electronics and like the beginning of like men's fashion or whatever there's like you know harry potter socks and just weird shit that like only nerds would like and i forgot about that section so next time i'm definitely gonna go because when i saw those mini moments i was like i wish i had gotten the full set of mini moments but i didn't yeah. but now this might be my chance they are 7.99 each i think that's awesome yeah yeah they're they're as much as a regular uh pop vinyl yeah i'm fine with that but yeah, I'm, I'm the but, same way. I don't like the looks of the Funko Pops because the fact that they don't have a mouth always irks me. So when yeah. I had a chance to get, they couldn't remove the mouth from Tom Servo and, and Crow T Robot. So I got, those are the only two I've ever gotten. Because they're not human. Yeah. And, and I guess, and, and they, <laughs> they couldn't find a way to remove the mouth. And I was like, great. Yeah. Yes. Those yeah. actually look like what they're supposed to look like. No, no, just this just style always has irked me of, of removing that. So you got Holistic George. But I saw there was, yeah, a ton of stuff. The Serenity Now t-shirt, how appropriate. Yeah, the Serenity... I forget, like, I, I looked up the prices of everything, too. I think the Serenity Now t-shirt was, like, 15 bucks, maybe? Yeah, I think that's I don't what know, you but said, the, yeah. the Kramer, the portrait of the Kramer with, like, the regular-sized pop vinyl of Kramer in it was thirty dollars. Yeah. Why? The the Kramer inside the box looks like a regular sized pop vinyl. Okay. But my God, the the portrait of the Kramer is probably like a foot to fourteen inches tall. Okay. Well, then that's probably why because it's gigantic but 30 bucks does seem like a lot yeah yeah I, I i guess i was just like thrown off by it because everything else is like oh yeah eight dollars twelve dollars you know yeah, like yeah. in in that like less than 15 range at the very least yeah or at, at the very most i guess i should say but yeah 30 bucks for uh for um the the kramer and a, a funko with it it just out of my out of my price range. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it sounds like uh, you know you could hang the Kramer if you wanted to. If you're the kind that opens your Funkos, which I am. So should we get started? Uh, yeah, might as well. I- I'm sure we'll have more bullshit like sprinkled in throughout. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but s- since we've had like four failed recording attempts already, we might as well try and get as far as we can. Right. Uh, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about the possibly aforementioned uh, The Serenity Now. Not sure if it actually made it into one of those failed recordings, but uh, <laughs> before that, we did have some stuff from our last episode. So what's the deal with stuff from The Voice? First, right off the bat in the episode, Kramer talks about how they are redoing the Cloud Club, the restaurant in the Chrysler building. That was his idea. And we wanted to know what it was. And the Cloud Club was a lunch club that occupied the 66th, 67th, and 68th floors of the Chrysler building in New York City. At one time, it was the highest lunch club in the world, which has to be a very mm-hmm. low bar like, how many lunch clubs were there? <laughs> like, were any higher than, like, three, like, the third floor, you know? 
I, I mean, honestly, this is maybe the first time I've heard Lunch Club before. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's exactly what it sounds like. It opened in 1930. It closed in 1979. And it was built at the request of Texaco, who kind of like wanted the Chrysler people to build it so they would lease in the building, which they did. They leased 14 floors. There were 300 members. And it was men only initially, uh, as all things were probably in the 1930s. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> It was open during daylight hours and then closed in the evening. And when Texaco moved out of the building, the club closed. That's so fucking weird to think of. Like, ha- having an entire club that's closed whenever people aren't working. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, only open for lunch. And, it's, and you have to be a member, I guess, in order yeah. to eat lunch there. It's like lunch yeah. is... Well, I mean, all but one of those qualifiers, I worked at a restaurant like that. I worked at a restaurant that was only open from 11 to 3. Yeah. Those places are weird. Yeah, I I never never understood that. I mean, it was in downtown Erie, yeah. And you're not going to get a dinner crowd from from downtown, so you might as well just focus on the people coming for lunch from from Erie Insurance and from Gannon and from Hammett. You know, yeah. Maybe not back in the day, but certainly when I was there, the the dinner scene was bustling a little bit. I would say downtown. Yeah, you know, you had. I mean, especially you know, you had uh, Voodoo and you had 1201, which I think is something new now, and you had um, the the Tap House. <laughs> I, well, I mean, yeah, th- those are all scattered about, I guess. Yeah. But ha- have you heard of the name of the restaurant that replaced 1201? I did, but I don't remember it. That's how I... <laughs> it is called Local Eat and Pour. Local Eat and Pour. It's very close to another eerie institution, Eaton Park, you know, but... <laughs> I, but yeah, lo- uh, Local Eat and Pour. I-, I wish them nothing but the best luck. I can't imagine opening a new restaurant right now, but yeah. my God, what a generic sounding name. Local Eat and Pour. Yeah. <laughs> It is, but st- I guess stuff like that kind of works. Like, um, yeah, yeah, you know. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure people will, uh, I'm sure people will flood that place. Yeah, Tishman Spire, which took over the Chrysler Building in 1998 and refurbished it, leased the top two floors of the Cloud Club space to tenants. So I guess it never reopened. I don't even know if it was actually really going to be, uh, you know, this this episode aired in, what, September of 1997. So I don't know if that was in the plans or anything like that. But I, I don't think it ever reopened or was remodeled or anything like that. The most well-known dishes at the Cloud Club were bread and butter pudding, black bean soup, and Dover Soul, which definitely sounds, <laughs> especially Dover Soul, sounds like something a 1930s businessman would eat for lunch. Like, just give me a big old fish. Just slap a big fish on the plate. <laughs> That's what I want. So Jerry notices that Elaine's hair is less poofy, and she says, oh, you know, it's uh, the latest style, heroin chic. And that stuck out to you, Ted, um, because you didn't know it was an, uh, like an actual fashion movement. So I was like, we should uh, dig into that. And so it was a style popularized in the early 1990s and characterized by pale skin, dark circles under the eyes, emaciated features, androgyny, and stringy hair, all traits associated with heroin abuse. Okay, Jesus Christ. Uh, American supermodel Gia Carnaghi is not Carnegie. If you're from Pennsylvania, you might have heard that. No, it's it's Car... uh, Oh, I'm sorry, I even mispronounced it. Karangi, which sounds like a Star Trek (laughs) race. I'm Gia Carnaghi. Karangi. Damn it, I can't pronounce it correctly. You can't get it. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, she's remembered as being the originator of the trend. The wayfish emaciated look was the basis of the 1993 advertising campaign by uh, Calvin Klein, featured on Seinfeld, for his perfume Obsession, which featured Kate Moss. That's who I remembered as the real face mm, of heroin chic, okay. I think I mentioned. Uh, it was partly a reaction against the healthy and vibrant look of leading 80s models like Cindy Crawford, Elle McPherson, and Claudia Schiffer. So it was just sort of like a rejection 
of all that. Uh, and it was helped along by the fact that heroin was having a bit of a 90s uh, renaissance at the time because <laughs> the price had decreased, its purity had increased, and the AIDS ep- epidemic had gotten under control by the 90s. So the problem of like unclean needles and stuff wasn't as risky. And also snorting became a more common mode of heroin use. Uh, and all those changes decreased the stigma surrounding it, allowing heroin to find a new market among the middle class and the wealthy. So it oh, wasn't geez. just a, a poor okay. people drug anymore. Yeah. The trend eventually faded in part due to the drug-related death of prominent fashion photographer David Sorrenti in 1997. And in 99, Vogue dubbed Brazilian supermodel Giselle Bunchen the return of the sexy model and the beginning of a new era. <laughs> and what Vogue says goes around here. God, just like the the title of uh, that uh, whether it was like an article or something, the return of the sexy model. Yeah. Hey guys, we, we decided we want to be sexy again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we, we don't we don't want to look stringy and and worn out and tired anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was like, damn it, that was a lot easier to maintain than being beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks a lot. Uh, what about the actor that played Darren? I, I thought I recognized him. Uh, his name is Jared Paul. He was born in 76, so he's 45 right now. And he's just one of those guys that's been in a bunch of TV, a few movies. Like Liar Liar. I think I remember him as Zit Boy, the guy that has a zit that Jim Carrey can't help but point out because he's unable to lie <laughs> uh, in the movie. And he's also in 40 Days and 40 Nights with uh, Josh Hartnett. Oh, whoa. Yeah. He plays a guy named Duncan, but... Jared Paul is not Paulo Costanzo, who I think I was mixing up Jared Paul with. When I saw Jared Paul, I was like, oh, wait a second. That's not the guy from Road Trip. Remember the guy from Road Trip who kind of looks like the actor that played Darren? And he was also in... Damn it, I'm trying to remember. Come on, teen sex comedy Road Trip, Ted. This is our. This is supposed to be our wheelhouse. <laughs> uh, oh, he was, he was also in Josie and the Pussycats, like as their manager. Anyway, okay. he was also in a bunch of stuff. And he looks like that, you know, he's got like, you know, short curly black hair. And he really looked like the guy that played Darren. It really didn't help me that they're both in 40 Days and 40 Nights. But Paulo Costanzo has a much bigger role in that movie than uh, Jared Paul. But Jared Paul is also in movie 43. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I know. Oh. I know. It, is that the one? Uh, is uh, Rob Schneider or David Spade in that one? Either one might be because like a million people who you wouldn't think would stoop to that level are in that movie. So they both might be. Oh, God. Yeah. He was in six episodes of Monk, four episodes of Home Improvement, Buffy, CSI, uh, 13 episodes of Jay Moore's uh, TV show Action, which I've always wanted to go back and, and revisit. I, I doubt it's streaming anywhere. but And he co-created and executive produced the Fox comedy The Grinder with Rob Lowe and Fred Savage. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've. I've heard of that. I never watched it. Yeah, me neither. But I, Fred Savage played a real lawyer, and Rob Lowe played a TV lawyer who like started helping his brother or something like that. Fred Savage um, do his lawyer stuff, and because he was a star and could act, it you know he started winning. I, I don't remember something like that. I never saw it either. But, <laughs> uh, but the character Darren, here's a little tidbit, um, an early tidbit, was named after Darren Henry, Larry David's assistant, who also wrote a handful of Seinfeld episodes after David's departure from the series and what a great example of the way hollywood works is like you can be larry david's assistant and then just wind up writing seinfeld yeah. episodes you know god damn. it's who you know it really is <laughs> uh has kramerica industries been mentioned before um i wasn't so sure i think you were like i think i feel like it must have but i don't know and we have to go all the way back to season one episode four 
Male unbonding. Whoa. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. Yeah, and Jerry is ex- uh, Jerry has walked into his apartment where Kramer's on the phone and is explaining to George who Joel Hornick is, and the phone rings and Kramer pulls the phone out of his pocket. He goes and he says, "Kramerica Industries." Oh, hi, Mark. No, no, no. Forget that. I got a better idea. A pizza place where you make your own pie. And Jerry says, "Can you conduct your business <laughs> elsewhere?" And Kramer uh, walks out. I guess so. Yeah, that's that's the first time we heard of it, and then we didn't hear it again until eight seasons later. Wow! Oh yeah. my God! Bringing everything right back around. Yeah, totally. And especially because we already had the episode where he he the pizza, you know that that pizza restaurant came. I don't know. I think in like season six or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Much later. So yeah, Kramerica <laughs> Industries. They just brought it back. Um, so that's all the stuff that we wanted to uh, know about. Here's some trivia and tidbits. The episode was originally going to be titled The Backslide, and the production script was called The Bladder System. Uh, the, basing, the basis of the talking stomach was Seinfeld writer Spike Ferriston's real-life experience of imagining his girlfriend's butt talking to him while she slept. And <laughs> he recounted the idea to his fellow writers on Seinfeld, where the butt's voice became an inside joke. And then they incorporated that inside joke into the episode. But Jerry decided to change it to her belly button so it wouldn't seem like a cheap joke. And they wouldn't just have to keep saying, oh, her butt talks to me. Ha, ha, ha. And Ferriston told his girlfriend about the voice and that they were making an entire <laughs> Seinfeld episode about it. And she became offended and walked out. And when told about this, Seinfeld said they should use it as a scene in the episode and encouraged Ferriston to talk to his girlfriend again and write down what happens. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. So, like, the episode was playing. I mean, this is, like, so meta for Spike Ferrison. Like, it, he, he invents the voice. It becomes an inside joke. They write an episode about Seinfeld inventing a voice and it becoming an inside joke. He tells his girlfriend. She gets offended. They put that in the episode. It's like, it's almost like that movie adaptation. You know, I mean, like, I want to see an yeah. episode about writing this episode <laughs> in that style. <laughs> I, I almost can't wrap my mind around it, but I, I like I appreciate Seinfeld's sociopathic tendency to like just not care. Like, oh, you have to talk to her again, and then write down what happens, and then we'll put that in the episode. It's like this is a person, you know. It's like this is not, you know, like this is someone's feelings. Like, yeah, uh, I'm sure he did it anyway. But uh, the George story was partially inspired by a behind the scenes incident on the Cosby Show. Controversy noted. Uh, the show's producers asked one of the writers to leave the show so they could hire another writer. The writer uh, already on staff refused to quit and just started showing up to work despite the an- antagonism of his bosses and coworkers. Since he had a contract that required him to be paid for a year. And eventually his bosses re- resorted to buying him out of his contract just to get rid of him. Which again probably happens a lot in Hollywood. But um, Kramer's... Uh, I-, I noticed this after kind of reading through stuff about the episode kramer's ketchup and mustard in one bottle is basically heinz's complete current business model you know yeah my <laughs> like, God. everything they do now is just mixing stuff they already make just mixing like mayo or ketchup with other condiments yeah. hey we're, we're gonna make mayo chup mayo chup mayo ratchup ketchup kachili yeah. yeah but you know out of all those they have not mixed ketchup and mustard. I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, which is surprising. I, w- I would buy it. Yeah. I would buy it, but they haven't done it. Yeah, why not? Uh, maybe it's on the way. That's all the trivia and tidbits. I was just about to move on to news, but I want you to ask me if we have any. Oh. Well, okay. Uh, do we have any news or anything? Yes! <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Jason Alexander has just been cast for a guest spot in the upcoming fourth season of The Connors. He's, no way. Yeah, okay. He's, he's gonna... I don't I don't really watch the Connors. Is it any good? Oh, I don't know. 
Okay. <laughs> He's going to be in two episodes, though, as Pastor Phil, an unconventional cleric with a rebel past who uses humor and unflinching honesty to spread the good word. Uh, Pastor Phil will first appear as a speaker at an AA meeting where Becky and Darlene arrive looking for spiritual guidance. And season four of The Connors, if you're curious about picking it up, uh, going to premiere Wednesday, September 22nd at 9 on ABC. Uh, I also saw this, some Larry David news. You might have heard about Barack Obama's 60th, ber- 60th birthday party back on the 7th of August. The guest yeah. list had to be pared down because of you know the Delta variant and the resurgence of COVID-19 cases. And several A-list stars that were previously invited got a call a couple days before telling them they weren't invited. One of those people was Larry David. No way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Christ. He said, he told the New York Times, I was pretty glum when I finally called back his assistant, but then he admitted in very a very Larry David fashion that he was actually happy to be disinvited because he thought he would have to perform at the party and was all stressed <laughs> out trying to come up with a comedy routine. And he said, when he told me I was 86 from the party, I was so relieved I screamed, thank you, thank you. He must have thought I was insane. I hung up the phone, poured myself a drink, and finished my crossword puzzle. (laughs) God damn it. Yeah. What an old man. Jesus. Completely. I mean, it seems like he's just been (laughs) antisocial from day one. But yeah, I mean, uh, that's a very common sentiment these days. Happy to, like, not have to go through with the plans that you initially agreed to. But Larry David. Very much so. Larry David's been the king of that, I feel like, that forever. Well, what? I I think it was. um, I think it's a John Mulaney bit uh, where he says, like, there's nothing better than the sheer feeling of canceling plans that you've already committed to. Yeah. But I'll never do it myself. But when they get canceled, oh, that's a relief. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, if you do it yourself, you have to face the guilt of of, yeah. uh, of canceling them. But if someone's like, hey, actually something came up. Can we do another day instead? Oh, yeah, no problem. It's totally okay. As I put my phone down, oh, thank Christ. I did yeah. not want to do that today. And most of the time it's because, like – you know, I always talk about past and future Tim and like, I'll agree to something in the future because I don't have to deal with it. Like that's future Tim's problem. <laughs> and it'll be something like, you know, a, a, some sort of public speaking engagement or some place where I'll have to be like extra social. And I'm like, yeah. oh, as it approaches, I'm like, I'm getting anxious. <laughs> and and then, yeah, when it when it does, when it finally gets canceled, I'm like, yes. Yeah. And so <laughs> as as awful as it was, of course, nobody hopes it would happen. But March of 2020 was a golden age for people like that. You know, I mean, initially, anyway, <laughs> I'm sure we would all go back and go, yes, I would go to that thing if COVID, if, if God was like, hey, I'll make COVID have never happened if you just agree to go back in time and, and go to this thing in March of 2020. <laughs> Nobody would say no to that. But like, when stuff was getting canceled, sure there's got there's got to be some people. There's got to be some people who wouldn't go back. Like, no, I'm yeah. I like it. <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> of course, I wish it wouldn't happen. But when stuff was getting canceled, I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, and in maybe bigger Larry David news, and you know, possibly some other people might find this interesting. Uh, Curb your enthusiasm. Season eleven premieres. This October on HBO. Oh boy! Yes, indeed. That uh, that news um, is definitely relevant to uh, subscribers of our Patreon, um, and that's all the more info I will be saying about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, do we have any other news or anything? No, that's it. Right here. Do you want to? I mean, talk about the the Patreon some more. Well, I don't know what you're planning right here, but I, I know we have like a major life change happening. Is that where we want to talk about it here? Yeah, I, I was just going to bring up. Um, we do have something in Newman's mail sack uh, later on, but we will get to that 
Uh, we are on Patreon now. It was literally the second item on my itinerary. Uh, we are on Patreon. Uh, check us out, patreon.com slash nohugging. Link is down in the description of this episode. We've got bonus content from every episode we've recorded over the last like uh, two months or so. And we have our first full-length Patreon-exclusive bullshit movie review of B-Movie. Uh, last Sunday, I uh, released like a little 10-minute uh, sneak peek of that. And if you want to go listen to the full thing, it's uh, over an hour long. Again, patreon.com slash nohugging. Link is down in the description. Um, as far as an upcoming um, mini life change hiatus, we might have one on the horizon because uh, I am eyeing up a move to Texas. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I st- actually started my new job today. Oh, um, really? My Yeah, my show is literally airing right now as I am talking to you. <laughs> wow, crazy. Yeah, so you've it's, got it's really like... cool. Um, but well, yeah, so patreon.com slash no hugging. Yes. <laughs> and if you have suggestions for, we had a great thread going. I thought a lot of good movies suggested, um, about what, you know, what we should do for our next review. And, and I even have, uh, I think John still listens, my neighbor, John and, and a couple of other people. Once I told them that like, you know, I was like, oh yeah, all, all a movie has to have is somebody who has been in an episode of Seinfeld before. <laughs> like they were all like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to keep an eye out for like, you know, and, and somebody threw, a, I think it was John who threw a movie at me. Do you remember the movie North with um, Elijah Wood? No. He plays a kid who um, like divorces his parents, you know, or whatever, emancipates himself and goes off looking for a new family. And the parents are uh-huh. played by Julie Louis Dreyfus and Jason Alexander. And I think they're in the movie no for way. like, yeah, I think they're, they, they, John told me like he remembers they barely speak at all. They're in the beginning and that's pretty much it. But yeah, but that's. That's all it takes. I was like, you should see how long Jackie Childs is in what's that movie? Um, Jingle All the Way for crying out yeah. loud. That's all it takes. <laughs> so I, yes, we, we we did kind of get lucky the very first Christmas episode we did with how Murray saved Christmas. We did. Yeah, we're never gonna find oh. one that's as Seinfeld heavy as that. <laughs> I, I mean, like, hey, watch Jerry Seinfeld release a surprise special on December 20th this year. You know? <laughs> it would be great to... Yeah, that's. I forgot about uh, Jerry Seinfeld specials. We could always do I'm Telling You for the Last Time, and uh, I think there's a video recording of that. Um, and uh, and I don't know if he's even... Oh, yeah, uh, Jerry Before Seinfeld. I never even watched that one. So that definitely those definitely have to be on our list. I really want it to be Shallow Hal with Jack Black. Yes, and oh my gosh. God. Yeah. The, one of the worst wigs in, in movie history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I think I think we need to save the good movies till much much later. I think we need to start <laughs> with the awful stuff like North or like someone else suggested, which I think you'd probably be all about. No holds barred. I was like, oh man. Wait, what's the connection with No Holds Barred? <laughs> the Moyle is in it. <laughs> oh, fuck. yeah, I know. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Jeez. Yeah, but I was like, oh man, when Ted sees that, that's going to be next on the list. And I I, I remember. <laughs> I think I remember that movie being like controversial when it came out. I remember like the 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 trailers leaning very heavily not on any plot of the movie, but just like how brutal it was going to be and how it's like not appropriate for any audiences. <laughs> and so as a kid, I was like, hell yeah, I want to see that because I was I was really into the WWF at the time uh, that that movie came out. I was like, yes, show me all of the even though it's and so when you go see it, it's probably nothing you know whatsoever yeah. but <laughs> but that's definitely on our list now but congrats on the gig by the way i don't even know if i've said Thank it you. in person i think i 
I saw it over Facebook or text or something. Or yeah, yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. Um, I uh, I'm really excited. I, I'm nervous about moving, but I'm really excited to to join the team down there. It, it seems like they've got a really good group of people. Uh, I'm I'm excited to work for a female PD because those are embarrassingly in short supply in this industry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I moved to the Deep South when I I took my wife, who was born and raised in the same city that we were living in, uh, that her parents were in, and moved her, you know, a plane flight away to the Deep South when we were 28. And uh, I stayed there for we stayed there for seven years. And uh, and it was awesome. (laughs) Um, I think it's going to be great. All right. Do we have any other other news or anything? I don't think so. Okay. If you have never listened to the show before, we are not a research-heavy podcast. We like to have our questions come up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in chronological order. After being a lifelong fan for years, it makes sense. Just trust (laughs) us on that. If you... Uh, like what you hear, please give us a follow on our Instagram. Uh, our Instagram? What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> on Twitter. What, what do I normally say here? Oh, if we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us a tweet or send us an email uh, at nohugging on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description. And if you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts, just like Shelly Parker did. Uh, Shelly says, I've been binge listening to your podcast, and I'm really enjoying this. I heard about you last week when Idiotville gave you guys a shout-out. Oh, Great yeah. job, guys. I didn't know they gave us a shout-out. That's awesome. I'll have to go back and and uh, listen to one of their episodes. It might be one that I skipped. Um, but also in uh, ratings and review news, Tim... Unfortunately, we are back down to a 4.9 star podcast because that same one star review <laughs> showed up again oh. from the same guy with the same text. Oh, damn. I was hoping Say, he would delete it and re like, edit it. Yeah, saying that we don't like the show. These guys, <laughs> how, whatever voice I put on them. Um, they don't like Mr. the Seinfeld show. They, they don't like the Seinfeld show. If your <laughs> girlfriend says she doesn't like something, that's grounds for teasing her. I'm like, Christ. You give us a one star for that. Anyway, what the fuck ever. Where am I at with this? Uh, oh, about the stickers maybe? You might have been talking about stickers. Oh, yeah. So if you give us a five star rating and a written review, get us your mailing address somehow, and we will send you a no hugging, no learning sticker free of charge while supplies last. All that being said, Season 9, Episode 3, The Serenity Now, original air date October 9th, 1997. I was four years, nine months, and 19 days old. And Tim, if you're counting this episode and every other episode we've got left, we have 20 episodes until we become a... A Lunch Club Review Podcast. We'll find all the lunch clubs that are still open. (laughs) We talked about lunch clubs 40 minutes ago. I forgot that was even today. And I think we can team this up with our Tower Viewer Review Podcast. Remember, we're going to go around. So we can go around the world and find all the lunch clubs and all the Tower Viewers in a city. And then... Segment one is the Tower Review. Is the Tower Viewer Review. Tower Review... Yeah. How are we going to get into these lunch clubs? We're going to need to like get a guest pass from. Oh, we can just say we're like checking it out. Like we might join and and uh, you know we're white males and everyone cares what we think. So they'll let us in. (laughs) (laughs) 
will have no problem. What am I talking about? <laughs> what's the What's the Homer Simpson quote? It's like I'm a white male, age eighteen to forty nine. Everybody cares about my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Grandpa and Lisa talking about lamenting yeah. about the fact that no one cares what they think, and and then Homer. <laughs> yeah, everybody uh, cares what I think. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're looking at TV Guy the night of October 9th, 1997, you are going to see as Jerry accepts his girlfriend's challenge to get angry, George tries selling computers with his father as Elaine fends off Lippman with his teenage son. Wow. A lot of information in there. I can't say I hate it. Well, yeah, it's to- not too yeah. long. We'll have to see if we can make it better uh, at the end. Um, and I, I did forget one bit of news I wanted to mention. Uh, Colin Jost and Scarlett Johansson named their kid Cosmo. How the fuck did we skip over that? <laughs> I don't that? know. <laughs> because it happened on like it happened like last weekend or something and we've lived we've slept since uh, then. So, yeah. It's it's been it's been 2 weeks since we've recorded anything. I know. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's kind of weird. I don't think it's uh, probably not after Kramer, although you think if it's after Space, <laughs> they would have named him Cosmos, but Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, just kind of kind of weird. So we start with a cold open. George is in his uh, or in a car with his parents. They're arguing uh, about the seat and where it's placed. And Frank yells out "Serenity now," a phrase that he got from a meditation tape from his doctor to keep his blood pressure down. And I love George's line here: "Are you supposed to yell it?" He's like, "The guy on the tape <laughs> was not specific." <laughs> I really like this shot to open up because it the, it looks like the camera is mounted on a car ahead of George's car and they are actually driving. It doesn't look like a green screen. Yeah, not it's not the normal like very close up two shot that we sometimes get. Yeah, they had to back it off, I guess maybe because Frank was in there, I don't know. But yeah, it, we do get a little more uh framing in there and I love they're arguing about the seat as inconsequential as it was. I, I love where she's like, it's as far up as it'll go. And he explains it to her, there's a mechanism. You pull it and throw your weight. <laughs> he like, thinks it does, she doesn't know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, he refuses to sit sideways like an animal. <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> uh, so at Monk's later, Jerry is there with his new girlfriend. And she gave some Knicks tickets away so that they could go out to a new restaurant with some friends. And Jerry is like, no, okay. And she's like, you're not mad? He's like, no, whatever. And she remarks that she's never seen Jerry mad before. And she would like to see you get really mad. And I'm like, is this a kink? Is this a kink of hers? This <laughs> seemed like a kink. Because especially, like, whenever Jerry, like, does, like, uh, raise his voice. I-, I think in another scene. I don't think it was this scene here. Or was it? Um, I think it's she later, definitely, yeah. She's definitely into it. Yeah. She goes, ooh. Yeah, it gets yeah, a yeah, yeah, it gets a visceral, yeah, sensual reaction from her. So yeah, we're not kink shaming. I mean, if if you know, if that's your thing, whatever. But I was like, if that if that's your thing, so be it. That's fine. Yeah. That's cool. But also, Lori Laughlin. How did we skip over that? Yes, I knew I recognized her. Yeah, that you didn't know um, you didn't remember her name. No, no, I she just looked really familiar. But she's the one from Full House, right? Yeah, she's Aunt Becky. Yeah. Or, or um, how more people probably know her now, the lady who was guilty in the college admissions scandal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm going to do a little pre-homework here. Yeah, I knew she looked famous, but maybe it was her hair, you know? So Full House had been off the air for two years at this point. Was it so, only two years? I thought it ended in 94. I could it be ended wrong. May 23rd, 1995. 
Okay. So yeah, it started um, the the final season started in ninety four, which is so weird to me because she didn't get a uh, special guest credit. She spent eight seasons on a network sitcom. Yeah, this would. I mean, I'd file this under cameo. Like, oh, it's that yeah. other sitcom star. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this wasn't. This wasn't just an acting gig. She was already a star. Yeah. She was. She was a big part of the show by the end of Full House, and two years later, she, uh, or I mean, a. Uh, the next, I'm sorry, the next fall season, she's on, or no, two years later. Yeah, two years later, she's on Seinfeld. So, yeah, I'd be like, oh, cool. Yeah, that she was, you know, well into a, a career by then. So, yeah, kind of crazy. I, I I don't know how I, I glossed over Lori Loughlin. I probably, if you hadn't noticed and said something, I probably would have waited till next week to tell you it's Lori Loughlin. Like, Ted, <laughs> did you know that was Lori Loughlin? <laughs> yeah, pretty crazy. Um, in Jerry's apartment... Superman is on the shelf. I noticed that. And Jerry and George are talking about Jerry never getting angry and how she wants him to get angry. And And Jerry's like, you've seen me yell, right? I get angry. And George is like, well, I mean, your voice raises to this comedic pitch. And Kramer comes in and Jerry tries yelling at Kramer, who cracks up at it. And we're only a couple minutes into the episode. And, and this was the first really good laugh that I got. Cause I thought that was so funny. Cause Kramer stares at him stone face for a second. And then just like loses. It. And he's like, is this a new bit? <laughs> <laughs> I loved that. Um, and it really is like Jerry Seinfeld yelling, I want you out of my house. And I don't want, you know, it's like, <laughs> um, and Kramer accepts an invitation to Queens to fix the screen door that they mentioned in the cold open. Uh, fix his parents' screen door with George because he says he likes going to the country every once in a while, which was also uh, a great little insight into the way the Manhattanites look at the other five boroughs. Yeah, I, I um, was watching this a little bit, like just as Grace had gotten home for lunch, and the part about George asking Jerry at first, like, "Hey, do you want to come to do you want to come to Queens and fix a screen door?" <laughs> Jerry saying, oh, "I'm already going to the Bronx to fix a screen door." That made her laugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and I, I, it's just just another aspect of Kramer's relationship uh, personality that I like is that he's always up for everything. Like if he can get a ride and go somewhere with somebody, yeah. like I love that. You know, it's like yeah, I'll, I'll go. Where are we going? Like a dog. <laughs> um, and Elaine comes in. Does she have new hair? It, it, um, it definitely looked uh, straightened. Yeah, because uh, I think it had been curly the last couple of episodes. Yeah, and. Either she had bangs or there's no bangs. The bang situation had changed. I didn't write it down, but mm. um, yeah. And she needs someone to go to Lipman's son's bar mitzvah with her. Uh, bar mitzvah, sorry, bar mitzvah. Lipman's son's bar mitzvah with her. Did I just say it again? He did it again, Jeez, yeah. What is wrong with me today? I can't say whoever that model was earlier, and I can't say bar mitzvah. Um, and Jerry says if you don't bring a gift, or if you don't bring a guest, you should be able to get a cheaper gift. Because you're eating less catering. And she's like, that's not going to be a problem. And she pulls out Boggle. God. Yeah. Meanwhile, over at George's parents, Kramer, they can't fix the scream door. So Kramer agrees to take it off their hands. And Frank's house is full of computers that he's been selling for two months after seeing a movie called The Net with that girl from the bus. Did you know what he was talking about, Ted? <laughs> no fucking idea. No, really? No. Oh, my gosh. He's talking about The Net with Sandra Bullock. That girl from the bus? Yeah. What? Speed. What? what, 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 what huh? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, that girl Christ. from the bus. Okay. <laughs> and let me tell you, in 97, I saw the net in the theater, and we might have to put this on our list. Just because it's mentioned in Seinfeld, we might have to put it on the list because 
it is it probably is so surreal to watch today because she does stuff in that movie that like nobody had ever done like orders pizza online um and it's all done by modem too and so wow I'm, okay that's impressive i'm sure it is one of those and she's in like chat rooms and stuff with people um and i so i'm sure by that time i was in chat rooms and stuff but still no one was ordering re- at restaurants online um and i'm sure there's other stuff in the movie that i'm forgetting but obviously as a as a high school i was like holy shit ordering pizza online <laughs> i don't have to call anybody um and uh, I'm sure other stuff that she does in that movie is just as as crazy. But I'm I'm thinking it's probably one of those movies that they were like, nobody knows what the internet is. It can do whatever we want. We're the writers, and so I'm sure there's stuff in there that's like, what? Uh, just like didn't make any sense in '97, and now that the internet is everywhere, it makes even less sense. Uh, but that might be worth. I'm going to write it down for some homework uh, next week. Maybe I can find even some of those anachronisms. But um, yeah, I I can't believe that you'd never heard of this movie. I mean, I know you were four, but. Or whatever. Yeah, went went right over my head. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. And uh, yeah, so we saw the net with the girl from the bus, and so George is like, "What makes you, what makes you think you can compete with IBM and Microsoft?" And he says, "My, I've got a secret weapon, my son." <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I gotta uh, throw in another shout out here to Gateway Two Thousand. I saw the cow boxes, uh, and I think I think Gateway oh, Two Thousand has made an appearance in Seinfeld before, but yeah, just. Uh, my, my our first PC, I want to say, was a Gateway 2000, and it was it was great. I think ours was a Dell. Maybe we had this big blocky white thing. Yeah. I don't know if it was a Dell or not. Oh yeah, I know the one that tower. replaced it was definitely a Dell. Yeah, uh, I loved. I, I loved the what I loved about my Gateway 2000 was before Apple even thought of this. Gateway had retail stores, and you could take your computer to the IT guys, and they would look at it and fix it, whatever was wrong. Yeah. That was awesome. Plus, I mean, they had the best marketing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the cows and, and everything. I still have somewhere some binders, some Gateway 2000 binders, like full of all the games and stuff that I had that I played on our old Gateway 2000 <laughs> computer. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and and I liked um, taking it to the IT get desk uh, all the way up until the point where they didn't ask me if they could erase everything on my hard drive and they just did it. And reformatted it because that's the only way they could, they could get it to work. <laughs> and so I show up to pick it up, and and thankfully they did. The, the main thing I was upset about losing Ted, get this, was my MP3 collection, which was thousands of songs at that point and curated oh. on Napster and Audio Galaxy, probably at that point. And so I was like, "You just erased music, man." Um, but they were thankfully they were they were nice enough to put my my documents folder on a CDR. But besides that, everything was uh, gone. <laughs> I know. Well, th- thankfully you had your my documents folder that probably had maybe <laughs> what four things in it. Yeah, I, I don't think I used it very much. I probably used like Tim's school papers or whatever. <laughs> like, everything else is gone. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I I know for a fact I didn't have to. I, I'm sure I did lose some other stuff besides my MP3s, but the other thing that I, I I do know I still have like all of my college papers for some reason. I don't know why I've kept them all these years, but if you're uh, you know, if you're majoring in communications, they're they're going for a good price. <laughs> I doubt much has changed in uh com theory in in the past uh, you know, ever since uh, 18 years, let's say something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that sucked, but whatever. Over at Monks, Jerry gets quote unquote mad over them bringing creamer to him instead of non-fat milk. 
I like this line. It's rare that we get um, profanity in Seinfeld, but she's like, oh, there's 1% milk over there. His girlfriend's like, there's 1% milk over there. He's like, they can kiss 1% of my ass. <laughs> um, and I felt this line, too, where she's like, no, she's like, if you want to get mad, you shouldn't have to fake it. If you feel it, you know, you, you, it should just happen. And he's like, he's like I, she's like, be open to it. He's like, I'm open. There's just nothing in there. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Talk about the millennial credo. Like, put that on our, like, I wish I'd seen this in time to use it as my yearbook quote, you know? <laughs> I love, oh, I'm open. There's just nothing in there. <laughs> That's the way I feel about emotions. And honestly, I commiserate with Jerry throughout a lot of this episode because I have, all of my friends were like, we've never seen you get mad. Like, my friends can recount a couple times when they're like, oh, yeah, I think, I thought you were mad that one time. And I'm like, oh, no, I wasn't, I wasn't mad that time. Like, they can... They try to count the times I've been mad and they've never seen it specifically, but like just all emotion. And I always uh, blame my Irish heritage on it. The Irish are a very emotionally closed off people stereotypically. And and so that's maybe where it came from. And, you know, so it's passed down from my father's generation and his father before him, probably that like emotions are just something we don't do. And so I, I really feel I felt Jerry's line there, especially I'm open. There's just nothing in there. Um, and he starts she starts calling him a liar. This is where she's like, okay, liar. And he's like, that's enough. And she's like, ooh, that was good. And Jerry says, oh, it <laughs> felt good. But yeah, this is where she really gets turned on. But also, if you are if you have a kink and you're trying to get someone into your kink, you should be honest about it, too. Like, I, I, I might shame that little part of it that, like, you know, a kink requires consent. I think Jerry should have, you know, consented to being a part of this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> if she if she's getting a thrill out of it, yeah. I feel like Jerry should definitely uh want to be a part of it and not like uh She's gotta not... trick him into it. Yeah, yeah. I I was about to uh dive into a a story between uh Grace and I, but I do not want to do that and unpack that here. We could put it on like a twenty dollar level of uh <laughs> Oh fuck. No, that's okay. I don't really I don't really uh I don't really want to talk about my kinks. Alright, fine. <laughs> Uh, all right. Um, so we got to Dante Caterers, which was at 7507 31st Avenue in Queens, in Flushing, New York. So Elaine had to go out to Queens anyway. Uh, everyone's going to Queens <laughs> in this episode. Um, oh, wait. Okay, I got to pull up. I wrote down in my notes. It has a... It only has... <laughs> let me see. Dante... It still has a one-star review up from six years ago that oh I have God. to read to you. How do I find this? Because it has three stars on Google reviews, but this guy really fucked them. Oh, here it is. Six years ago, one star. They allow minors to serve alcohol, and they would drop food and still serve it. One star. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god. And then they have (laughs) that is peak entitlement with a review. One star because of that. Yeah. At first, the first time I read it, I was like, "Oh, they serve minors alcohol. That is bad." But who cares if minors are giving you alcohol? Uh, you know, whatever. But yeah, they so would what? They would drop food and still serve it. And then I read. Let me read you this stellar review from Yelp. This is uh, so on Yelp they have two stars thanks to twenty reviews on Yelp. But this one's great. Uh, let me see. You get what you pay for. That was a two star review. Oh yeah, th- this review is great. This place is closed, by the way. Here you wonder why. Do you have the money to do better? Then by all means, do better. Should you use this place for your special day? Depends. Kids' first birthday? Sure. Wedding? Hell no. 
The manager also doesn't like that everyone confronts him about not smiling. But come on, if your job is to get people to book their event at Dante's, maybe you should smile from time to time. Again, if you can afford better, by all means, do spend the money. (laughs) Jesus. But listen to this one. Four stars. I had a good-ass time in Dante's. (laughs) 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 I mean, that's just a great start. My friend was having his Filipino Bowling League award ceremony held there. Talk about niche (laughs) events. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Filipino Bowling bowling League League award (laughs) ceremony. (laughs) Yes. He'd been there since eight, while me and a mutual friend of ours were in Elmhurst at post-time. Whack. I guess that's another restaurant that he thinks is whack. Uh, so his friends said, get over before they close the open bar. So we got to Dante's in no time. We went through the front door and no one questioned us. I must have had 10 margaritas within an hour and a few Long Island iced teas. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Um, it's way too small for a catering hall, though. Only two urinals and two toilets for a catering hall that has multiple rooms. But he still is psyched because I tipped a dollar for every drink. So I basically paid 10 bucks for 10 margaritas. You can't beat that. And then he goes on to like describe the rest of the night. After Dante's, we went to Static. We also went to a hookah bar on Steinway Street. I'm like, what the hell? Oh, and then he's like, follow me on Twitter. This is all one review. This is all one guy's review. Gary Gorlami from Twitter. I have to see if he's still on Twitter. I know I should have done this earlier, but no results. Ah, oh, boo. Ah, uh, damn. Boo. <laughs> I would have definitely followed that guy. I had a good-ass time at Dante's. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> you probably won too many good nights at Dante's or Static. Yeah, so now it is a Petco and an after-school daycare. Ah, okay. Yeah. Oh, damn it. I, there's another great New York Post story about it. All right, I have to find this, I have to find this one, okay? There's so much good stuff on the internet about Dante's. Uh, you're going to... Um, let me see. You gotta listen to this story about it. This is why it took me like two hours to watch. From the New York Post, January 5th, 2009. A Long Island couple whose wedding celebration evaporated in a cloud of carbon monoxide is still furious over unpaid expenses for the ruined reception. George and Sharon Queneville of Albertson filed papers to force Dante caterers to cough up information about the chimney and boiler system that belched dangerous gas into their party. Dante (laughs) refunded the cost of the dinner and paid for medical treatments, but they weren't reimbursed for all the incidentals. Um, Dozens of people were sent to the hospital in April when the carbon monoxide level at the catering hall rose to 500 parts per million, five times the level that triggers an evacuation. Jeez. I know. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, they only got a half hour of their reception in before... They had to cancel it, and Dante refused to pay up. Or the guy who was running Dante Catering. Yeah, yeah. So there we go. Uh, Adam Lippman's bar mitzvah is there. Uh, All of that (laughs) is lead up to this scene where uh, Elaine congratulates him, and he plants a kiss on Elaine and then shouts, I'm a man, afterward. Uh, In Jerry's apartment, Elaine is explaining that there was tongue involved, which George is impressed by, uh, (laughs) and Jerry calls uh, Little Lipman a man's man, so very very healthy masculinity uh, in this episode so far. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I saw little Adam Lipman as a real Brock Turner type uh, (laughs) at this point. Yeah, Yeah, I can see that. And especially Jerry, like, the worst part may be Jerry going, oh, he's a man's man. Yeah, he attacks a woman without even asking. Hell yeah. (laughs) Got to give it up to that kid. Uh, And Elaine, and not only that, but um, 
Uh, do we know the Lipman's kid name? Oh, it's Adam. It's Adam Lipman because Mr. Lipman's son is Adam. Okay, so it's Adam Lipman. Yeah. <clears throat> and and uh, Elaine got invites to six more bar mitzvahs, and Jerry gets mad on a call about a flight change of his that they were going to have to send him through Cincinnati, and he got mad and and said, "Well, you better upgrade me." And he hangs up and he goes, "Hey, I'm flying first class." And Elaine's like. <laughs> What was that? And he's like, well, Patty showed me how to get mad. And they open the door uh, to the hallway, and when they hear something, they hear Kramer installing the screen door on his apartment door. I got to point out, this episode is what it's about. Did you notice Jerry's new computer? No. No, like, I didn't. His giant tower system and huge monitor is gone, and he's got this like flat panel thing that has like, it's like a, a square... And the top part is this little tiny monitor, and then the bottom part looks like it may contain the CPU and the processor and stuff. Um, and it, because it has like a giant CD drive too, so it's like half CD drive, half tiny computer screen. But it's certainly what? a lot smaller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't see this. Oh my god. Yeah, and it's like a dark gray now instead of the. Uh, I just uh, it stuck out to me mostly because his old computer is so noticeable, but also. Because this episode has a bunch of computers in it. <laughs> yeah, it's about selling computers yeah. <laughs> and stuff. And he just got one. Yeah, so over in Frank's garage, uh, George comes in for his new job selling computers. He says, oh, hey, morning, Dad. He's like, I'm not Dad in the workplace. You will call me Mr. Costanza, and I will refer to you as Costanza. And then Lloyd Braun comes in. Uh, the same actor from the previous time we've seen Lloyd Braun, not the original Lloyd Braun actor. But he comes in. His mom said suggested him to Frank. And George is upset because, as we know, he's always been compared to Lloyd Braun. And Braun, uh, Lloyd already has like about a dozen sales on the big board. And George has zero. Uh, over in Lipman's apartment, which is at 219 West 81st Street. It is still there. It's, it's still apartments. And it's also like a block from Jerry's. Jerry's in like the 100 huh. block of West 81st Street. And so Lipman's like right up the street there in the Upper West Side. Oh, God. Okay. And um, if you're curious, 7B is for sale. It is a two-bedroom, two-bath for $2.1 Oh, boy. Yeah. Now, 8G is also for sale, uh, also a two-bed, two-bath, $1.8 So, yeah. What I, the difference is there? Yeah, maybe better view or something. I, I clicked through. Um, if you want to rent, 1D is available. That's a two-bed, two-bath for um, 5500 a month. <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah. Christ. Um, and if, you're, if you don't need anything that big... A huge two bed, two bath. Nine uh, C is also available. That's a one bed, one bath for twenty eight hundred. Uh, yeah, I wonder how many people can cram into that one <laughs> bed, one bath. Yeah, four probably. Right, get yeah. two bunk beds in the bedroom. And uh, I changed my mind about last week's apartment. I, I did like it, but if if it's available, this is the kind of place that I would buy if I had <laughs> if I won the lottery because I, I just like it. I like the look. It's got a fitness center. It's got a landscaped and furnished roof deck. Ooh. It's got a full-time Ooh. doorman. And this may not interest you right now, Ted, but the kids' playroom that they have is absolutely... I mean, it looks like um, like a little gym or something like that. It looks... It, it's, it's absolutely Hell insane. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was upgraded in 2008 and turned into condos, so... Yeah, it's, it's, uh, this is where I'm buying, not that other place. Up in Lipman's beautiful apartment complex, uh, Adam is not apologizing for what he did. He said he was, it was awesome, and he told everyone. Elaine is like, uh, you know, you're, you're 13, and I'm in my early 20s. <laughs> Such a hack joke, but for some, I guess maybe it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She just sold it. It's it, very funny. It, 
it worked. It was her. It was her delivery, really. Yeah, and it's sort of like it sort of dates the Seinfeld cast, which we're always kind of trying to nail down on. So she probably was going to say thirties, right? Not forties <sighs> at this point, right? I don't. I don't know. It's season nine, Tim. That's true. Maybe it's four, maybe she's like supposed to be like forty one or something. Uh, I... How how old did we say everyone was whenever they started the show? Did we have an age idea? I, I think we were kind of going with early thirties. I think that's as much as we were able to nail down. And we know that, or we had the idea that Elaine is younger than all of them by like a year or two. Yeah, for some reason. I, I can't see she would be in her early 40s then. Yeah. Um, she might be trying to, like, already, like, in her head, like, instinctively saying, I'm in my early 30s just to make herself seem younger. But already saying that to a 13-year-old makes her sound old. So she tried to correct it again. She tried to correct her correction. Yeah. Um, I, I just found a Vice article about uh, people's age, like, a, an article about this. And uh, in one episode, Jerry would say he's 37. Then another, George, he would say he was 33. They met in gym class in high school, so yeah, does I guess we've never really we've never really known and they haven't really cared enough to make any sort of canon. So you're saying she might not have said what were the two mistakes you that you were just saying? She may have said like she already had it like in her head. She already does this for other people to say that she's in her early thirties. Even though she's in her late thirties. Yeah. But saying you're in your early thirties to a thirteen year old has no effect. Because it's still very old. Very true. Very true. I, I like that. I like that theory. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Okay. So she's still in her <laughs> late 30s. Probably her late yeah. 30s. Yeah. yeah. But she always starts that by saying it early and then she had to adjust again. Yeah. Perfect. And she was like, you're not really a man. And he says, well, if I'm not a man, then all this was a big sham. And I renounce my religion. I quit. And he storms out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's such strong vocabulary, I feel like, for a 13-year-old to pull out right then. I renounce my religion. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Over in the garage, Frank is announcing a sales contest. The loser gets fired and the winner gets a water pick, which Estelle insists uh, Frank is not giving away their water pick. How disgusting would it be to win a used water pick? I mean, that's just gross. Especially if it's potentially your mother's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and George quits. He's like, you know what? That's fine. I, I quit. And Frank hit, cuts him to the core and says, your mother was right. You can't compete with Lloyd Braun. And George picks up the phone and yells at the top of his lungs on a cold call uh, and then shouts himself, Serenity Now. You know, honestly, I've probably missed some Serenity Nows. I didn't point out every one. But Frank has been saying it throughout this episode. It it became mm-hmm. a huge catchphrase, obviously, after si- after this episode aired. And I feel like I'm not giving it its due. <laughs> Because I probably missed about 25 or 30 of them. <laughs> but basically, any scene Frank is in, he says it four or five times. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry I'm not mentioning that. But this is where George yells Serenity now. And I only just realized that I haven't been saying, and Frank says Serenity <laughs> now. And then Estelle yells, and Frank says Serenity now. Um, uh, back over at Lipman's, this looked like a different day. I think Elaine was dressed differently, and, and even every, like even Adam was dressed a little differently. But Elaine is there with Mr. Libman trying to explain again to Adam and talking about like what it takes to be a man and saying like, you know, like your dad, um, kind of like this and blah, blah, blah. And then Mr. Libman says, oh, is that the kind of man you're looking for? And she goes, I guess so. Why? And then he jumps on Elaine. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. She's getting assaulted. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of assault in this episode. <laughs> quite often, quite often. Up in the apartment hallway, Kramer has a full-on front porch. Jerry and Patty, 
who we found out, I didn't mention, we found out her name when he said, Patty showed me how to get mad. That's the first time we find out uh, Lori Laughlin's real name. They go into the apartment, and Jerry, we find out, has been yelling at Patty all afternoon, which, <laughs> uh, you know, maybe is not as much of a kink as we thought, because she doesn't like it anymore. Um, or, you know, uh, maybe she yeah, just doesn't like it all the time. It's been too much yeah. anyway. And she, she's too turned on. Yeah, she can't take it. <laughs> God damn it! And she storms out. Uh, Kramer, when she opens the door, has a sparkler going on his front porch. And <laughs> Elaine comes in as Patty is leaving. And this was a, a great delivery too, because Kramer's like, "Y'all come back, real!" And then the door slams like before he can finish his <laughs> sentence. I like that. And Jerry is still fuming about Patty uh, and the situation, but then he gets emotional about. The breakup, and this has always been one of my favorite Seinfeld lines. What is this salty discharge? (laughs) (laughs) It is. I feel like discharge over the years has not aged very well, but salty discharge, I always, what is this salty discharge? Um, And Elaine's like, you're crying. Jerry goes, this is horrible. I care. (laughs) Later in the apartment, Jerry is... Uh, kind of sitting on the porch with Kramer, and he's he's very down in the dumps. And Kramer says, "Well, you let one emotion out, and they all come out. It's like Andorra's box." <laughs> and talk about an old reference, though. <laughs> Jerry's like, "What? Well, Andorra was the mom on I Dream of Jeannie. You're talking about Pandora's box." And and Kramer doubles down. He's like, "No, she had one too." <laughs> Jesus. Then George comes up, and and he and Jerry go into the apartment, and a baseball hits Kramer from not far down the hall. It can't be, but uh, Jer- Kramer's like, oh, I told you kids about this. Uh, now it's mine. I'm keeping it. So they're really you know, going all in on the front porch joke. And George tries to sell Jerry a computer, and he says, come on, you can check porn and stock quotes. <laughs> I-, I love Jerry just coming back. Porn quotes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was weird that he combined <laughs> them. He's like, porn quotes. But you know, I one of my... Um, one of my it's not very active. I would love if it was more active is left-handed poetry and it is Pornhub comments that are eloquent in their own way. <laughs> and it's great. It really needs to be more active. Um, oh so my God. please join left hand, left-handed poetry. <laughs> Duh. Have you, have you seen the, um, I don't know if it was posted from left-handed poetry, but the Pornhub comment talking about, I, I just got to find it. Let me see. <laughs> okay. I was, um, here, let me. Uh, it, I I misspoke. It's left hand poetry, not left handed. Let me find one that's not too filthy. <laughs> this is, <laughs> I'm laughing at the ones that are all too filthy. Okay, so I I found the one I was talking about. It's, um, I, I think posted by Pornhub comments taken out of context. Oh, okay, and the comment is, I, I, I gotta read it. I gotta read it verbatim. <laughs> Female orgasms. Four commas, the best sound on the planet, three commas, after system of a down, of course, smiley face. (laughs) Nice. Yes. That's awesome. Uh, Here's here's one from Left Hand Poetry. I have female roommates, and I can confirm that this is indeed what every day is like. (laughs) Here's one. Um, It is a wonder to imagine all of the swirling particles that were cast forth from the singularity at the birth of the universe one day converged to form the atoms that made the molecules that crystallized the neurons, which carried the signals to the hands of the creator who crafted this piece of true art. In Tracer's euphoric moans and the gyrations of Brigitte's luscious ass muscles, we are witnessing the very face of God. 
<laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's you know, it's an emotional corner of the internet. I um I appreciate it. Left hand poetry. So let me see. So porn stock quotes. Oh, and that's this is where Jerry now is getting even more emotional, saying you know, uh, he's so lucky to have a friend like George. And he says, I love you. And George gets very <laughs> weirded out by all of this and uh, exits the apartment before Jerry can can hug him. Kramer's front door, meanwhile, it opens up and it's been sprayed by, as he said earlier, hall ur- urchins, hall urchins. He's like, let's get some revenge. Uh, he's got a hose, a garden hose under Jerry's sink. Jerry's sink, of course, because Kramer's not going to waste the water on, on a garden hose. But so he plugs the hose up to Jerry's sink and tells George to turn it on when he gives him the signal, which is Hoochie Mama. And George botches the hose revenge because Jerry was going in for a hug. (laughs) And Kramer gets silly stringed by the hall urchins. But I noticed this, uh, you know, file this under, you know, I hope somebody got fired for this blunder. Kramer's hose has a handle with the the trigger control on it. So he could have turned on the water himself and then just, you know, sprayed them. Whenever you want, you know, it was a standard garden hose that has that little mm. that little hand pull, you know, ah. handle control. So, yeah, way to go, Seinfeld prop master. More like not a master of props. Um, oh, my God. I don't know. <laughs> uh, down in a cab, George is explaining to Elaine what is going on. The Lippmans are Jewish, and Elaine is not Jewish. She's a shiksa, which he says is a non-Jewish woman, and she's, she's got shiksa appeal. Uh, it's every Jewish man's dream to find a woman that is not like his mother, <laughs> which I was, is a hilarious joke, and I feel bad kind of laughing at as a uh, as a Gentile. I'm like, should I be laughing at this? It's very funny. <laughs> but uh, Elaine doesn't want a computer either, even after George uh, says there's porn on it. And I like that porn is his number one selling. Honestly, that's genius. You know, I mean, like him starting with porn, not like, oh, you can write stuff on it and order pizza. It's like, no, porn, the number one selling point for George. And Elaine was into it, which is an interesting little insight into Elaine. Yeah. Because she was like, eh, even so, uh, she doesn't want one either. Over Back over at Lippmann's, Elaine is explaining the Schick's appeal to Lippmann. You're not really interested in me. I, I just have Schick's appeal. And Lippmann's like, that's just not true, and I'll prove it. I renounce Judaism. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Over in Jerry's apartment, Kramer has been pelted with eggs by the hall urchins now, and he's not really mad because he's he's now a disciple of Serenity Now. The anger just melts away. Serenity Now. He even uses it on a bag of chips that he can't open. I loved Kramer calling them Joey Zampino and the Neighborhood Boys. Makes him sound like a real gang. Wait a minute, Joey... Zoe, Damn it. Joey Zampino is the kid from his karate class that he babysat for. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I totally I totally missed that. Wow. <laughs> just just the title, Joey Zampino and the Neighborhood Boys. It's a great trivia name. If you're looking. It, it is. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Elaine comes in and Jerry starts proposing to her, saying that what we've needed the whole time has been right in front of us as George enters with a bunch of computers <laughs> to cheat the contest. He's going to buy all the computers himself and then return it after Lloyd Braun gets fired. Uh, and that allows Elaine to make a hasty exit. So they don't come right out and say it, but this um, could we chalk this also up to Schick's appeal? Elaine's Schick's appeal? Jerry is now more susceptible to it? Uh... I I think especially because he's emotional now. Yeah, he's he's back to like being a normal uh, human being in touch with his emotions. <laughs> yeah. 
So he he's falling for her shicks appeal. Yeah, I think it might be. Uh, back over at Frank's garage, George has made uh, George has several more checks on the board now, lots more than Lloyd even. And he's like, "Let me show you how it's done." And he calls Mr. Vandelay, which, by the way, again, I hope someone got fired for this blunder. But also, I maybe it wasn't a blunder, but I can't believe Frank and Lloyd didn't notice it. He only dials three numbers on the hands on the on the phone. He goes, <laughs> boop, boop, boop. "Mr. Vandelay, what was it? An internal uh, connection, yeah. like an extension?" Boop. Boop, boop, boop. Two dozen computers, please. Okay, jeez. <laughs> Two dozen, yeah. Mr. Vandelay. Um, and they also do, this I feel like is a thing of the past, the if you'd like to make a call gag where he still has the phone off the cradle and it goes, if you'd like to make a call and he has to hang up quickly before anyone hears that, yeah. that is also very hack and also done to death. But like, you can't really do that anymore because I feel like people would make a fake call on their cell phone. And yeah. even then, can I tell you what I hate when I when I see people make calls and, and even they're supposed to make a real call on their cell phone and they take it away from their ear and the screen pops up and it's like the lock screen or the menu screen and i'm like yeah it's like no the lock screen or like the home screen or something yeah, yeah i hate that somebody like find a way to fix that just do it in post we notice i'm like you weren't on the phone with anybody C- call literally anybody call yeah. like your friend or something and just say hey i just need this for um for, yeah. for like something I'm shooting, or you know what? Call someone beforehand and screen record it and oh, play the video. Perfect, yeah. Or just take a screen grab and leave the photo up. Yeah. You know? Or turn the screen off before you remove. Just something we notice. Something I don't something, like it. Anything. Yeah. Uh, so Frank fires Lloyd Braun. Tells oh, and, and also I got to point this out too. George didn't take down any info from Mister Vandalay. He just hung up. like they have his phone number but like he didn't get any payment information or anything or even where to ship them but frank fires lloyd uh who after frank leaves uh, tells george that serenity now doesn't work um you know he heard about it when he was in the nut house as george says it and he's like trust me it just bottles up the anger and pretty soon you pop serenity now insanity later he says (laughs) Uh, back up in Jerry's apartment, Kramer's apartment has now been TP'd, or his front porch has been TP'd, and he's just sitting there mumbling, staring off, and and, and sort of twitching and saying serenity now. And uh, he goes inside his apartment, and sure enough, he explodes. His uh, All of his emotions come out, all the anger, and he destroys all of the computers that George decided to store in Kramer's apartment because he walked in on Jerry proposing to Elaine in the earlier scene. And so we cut to Jerry's apartment where Kramer is uh, you know kramer is george is unloading on kramer and then kramer says to him hey listen george i owe you one (laughs) (laughs) and then jerry pulls a line that i think we've said plenty of times um in a certain way he got he kramer leaves and jerry goes he's incorrigible so essentially (laughs) that's our kramer oh yeah which every so often kramer has a that's our kramer exit uh and Jerry explains to George that letting his emotions out was the best thing that he ever did. Uh, And uh, this was so funny. Sure, I'm not funny anymore, but there's more to life than making shallow, fairly obvious observations. (laughs) (laughs) I love that, like, his sociopathy is integral to his sense of humor you know what i mean like (laughs) and and in a way i mean it kind of has to be like as soon as you start thinking about oh i'm gonna hurt somebody's feelings if i say this like it's something like i I know i'm not jerry seinfeld but being on the radio like you have to take a stand 
and be kind of funny in that way where you're like somebody's listening that has a porn stash that I and I'm making fun of people I'm making fun of guys with porn stashes now and like their feelings might be hurt but it you know it's it, it's going to be funny or whatever you know like that's just a random example that that didn't happen but um yeah I I did like the fact that now that he's considering people's feelings but it is you know I just saw him I just saw a clip from a million years ago of him on Howard Stern talking about a joke that didn't work because it hurt the audience's feelings. And so he just had to tweak it for a second, uh, tweak it a little bit. Hmm. And it was like, he was like talking about how uh, phone calls are pointless. He's like, the joke was like, look at you. You're not important. You know, think about all the phone calls you've had. You're not important. And the audience was like, along with the bit at first. And then after they heard that, they were like, oh, they like the joke didn't work. And he just changed it to like, (laughs) think of all the contacts you have in your phone. Is there anybody important in there or something like that? And uh, it automatically became like a, uh, you know, the joke, the, the joke worked. Because he wasn't making fun of them anymore. He was making fun of everyone they know, which is totally different. And everyone's fine with that. Uh, but George is like, all right, well, here goes. And Jerry's like, I'm listening stance was also just great. You know, for, for Jerry Seinfeld, who's like not, you know, admittedly not a great actor. That was hilarious. His, you know, he like really settles in to like, you know, hear everything. All of George's feelings come out. Um, we cut to Rabbi Glickman's office, who is a, a guy that's made appearances on the show before. And... Elaine is asking how to combat her Schick's appeal, and he says it's a myth, but he's like, it's just one of those things, uh, you know, about Judaism that people may not understand. Like, did you know that rabbis are allowed to date? And he invites her to one of his, um, I don't know, they're not parishioners, but whatever. Like, uh, someone in his uh, temple has a timeshare in Myrtle Beach, and he starts inviting her down to it, but as he turns back to her, she has been gone from the chair and the chair is still rocking i like that (laughs) that was another good physical another good side (laughs) gag yeah elaine's gone back up in the apartment george has unloaded on jerry shocking his emotions back inside and we get oh yeah shocking jerry's emotions back inside of him and we get a (laughs) good luck with all that and i wrote good luck with all that dot gif because i feel like this is another common seinfeld react gif yeah Okay. Good luck with all that. And Elaine comes in and she's like, you know what? She's all about the marriage now. Yeah, let's do it. We're, you know, um, and Jerry's is like, well, I'm, uh, I'm over it. He says like, yeah, I don't really see that happening. Yeah, I don't really see that happening. He's, he's over <laughs> it. And George says, as Jerry starts leaving the apartment, I love you. And Jerry goes right back at you, slick, <laughs> which I thought was a great response. <laughs> he even like throws his jacket over his shoulder, like the Fonz or something. Right back at you, slick. And George tells Elaine, like, you know, I've, I've always wanted you two to get back together. And Elaine says, that's because you're an idiot. And that's, uh, yeah, the episode ended on a real low note, I thought. It really did. Like, what an underwhelming way to end the episode. Yeah, and as mu- with as much, as, as much praise as we gave her for selling the hack line earlier... This is like the third hack bit in the episode that, and, and she, she couldn't even sell this. Like, that's because yeah. you're an idiot. That's our George. Like, all right. <laughs> so we do get one little last little scene in Frank's garage where Frank tells George that Lloyd's phone wasn't even hooked up. And George says <laughs> that, he sh- that uh, his dad should lay off the serenity now. It, you know, it doesn't work. And, jo- and Frank says, what should I say instead? And he says, hoochie mama. And he's been getting yelled at by Estelle, who wants her garage back to park her car in. She opens the door to put the car back in, and Frank yells, Hoochie Mama! And that's the end of the episode, in total. (sighs) All right, what do we got for homework this week? Um, We got the net, and that's it. We'll just talk a little bit about the net. Yeah. Cool, yeah, I'm down. Uh, What do you like for cover art for this episode? Man, tough one. 
Serenity. I mean, maybe just Frank yelling. You know, Frank. He always looks up to the sky and raises his arms whenever uh, he's yelling Serenity. Now, I feel like there's got to be something good in there. Yeah, I I really liked that, but I also really liked the scene of Kramer sitting out in the hallway uh, with the sparkler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kramer's front porch is is pretty great. I think that's pretty much a yeah the extent of what would be worth screen capturing in this. Yeah, I'll I'll make one of those work. It'll probably end up being Frank. Jerry's salty discharge is a is a distant <laughs> third, maybe, but just because it's one of my favorite bits of the <laughs> series, <laughs> I have to throw it in there. Uh, all right, let's see what we can do about uh, right. the description this week. So we had as Jerry accepts his girlfriend's challenge to get angry. George tries selling computers with his father as Elaine fends off Littman with his teenage son. Dang, I I really like it. I, I mean. I feel like we could make it even better, but with just Elaine's part, the first two are, are great, but I feel the like... The only thing... Yeah. yeah, the only thing about Elaine's part that I would change, because she doesn't fend off Lippman with his teenage son, she fends off Lippman and his teenage son. Yeah. And the rabbi. And the fact that they... I mean, maybe we don't have to throw him in. Yeah, let's just change it to Lippman and his teenage son. But but I, that I, almost I mean, spoils... We, yeah. Do we want to say Elaine fends off the Jewish faith? Yeah, like Elaine, like Elaine discovers Elaine fends off Judaism, or Elaine, what, yeah. <laughs> or like Elaine discovers Jewish men are attracted to her, or something like that. There's got to be, or, or Elaine, oh. Elaine discovers she has a magnetism for Jewish men, something like that. Uh, Elaine discovers. Elaine discovers a um an in like inadvertent or um what does it mean when you don't mean to do it? Um, Elaine discovers a blank attraction. Or, or Elaine discovers she inadvertently attracts Jewish men, or something like that. I almost want to not put in Jewish men ah. if we can, like, ooh, um, yeah, because if we can, like, obscure that yeah. and just make that come out of left field, that would be great. Elaine fends off, or Elaine discovers. Uh, oh, unintentionally, I think that's the word I'm looking for. Elaine discovers, or what about Elaine unintentionally attracts men? Or certain men or something like that? Do you want to say certain men? Or Elaine unintentionally attracts certain men? Do you want to say unintentionally attracts religious men? Unintentionally attracts... Elaine discovers... Wait, what about Elaine? What about just Elaine discovers she's unintentionally attractive? Do we even have to put the... Yeah, I like that. Yeah, we did it. Yeah, there and, we go. and I was yeah. Go ahead. Uh, you want to keep everything else the same as Jerry accepts his girlfriend's challenge to get angry. George tries selling computers with his father, and Elaine discovers she's unintentionally attractive. Yes, I think it's great. I didn't think we could make there it that much go. better, but we did. And I was <laughs> uh, I was kind of bummed at the beginning when I was like, oh, we didn't hear anything about Kramer's storyline, but it's so it, it doesn't matter at all <laughs> to the whole thing. It it's really just, doesn't. Yeah. It's just let's let Michael <laughs> Richards be wacky. Just put a wacky thing over him. And that to me speaks to I'll just skip to the next section of the, the podcast kind of and say that I got a lot of good laughs out of this episode, but I didn't think it was a great episode. Really? Okay. I uh, I gave it a star, but Whoa. I am ranking it low. Yeah. I, I thought the first two episodes were much stronger this season. And what I didn't like about this episode is everyone's storyline seems patched together. Normally, they tie everything together when they when they feel the need to. They mm-hmm. but this just seemed like they picked four stories out of a hat and wrote a script with it. Normally, the episodes don't feel like that, even when they're four different plot lines and maybe they maybe two characters don't even cross paths the whole time. It just felt uh, like slapped together and disjointed to me for some reason. And I yeah. I think it's because of like Kramer's wacky storyline and. And Jerry's thing, and um, 
yeah, it just it just it just seemed too slapped together for me to feel like it's a well-written episode, but it's got some of the best jokes, you know, in the whole in the whole deal. What did you think of, you know, Serenity Now is a uh, I mean, that's one of the, you know, top 10 catchphrases of all time or whatever. I I thought it was fun, but like I don't know. I feel like I was expecting to get much more enjoyment out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I I was I was expecting it to like be the uh, the result of like a joke or something and not pop up in the very first scene of the episode because it was something that Frank discovered outside of the episode, you know? Yeah. You know what? When you put it that way, even that seems shoehorned in. Like, it's almost like they went, hey, you know what? Let's change the zeitgeist again. Let's come up with another catchphrase like we did with yada, yada, yada last season. Like, yeah, I what can we do? I think exactly Just, what yeah. it is. Yeah, it seems like they were really trying too hard. Like, believe me. And, and look, I mean, we fell for it. People said, yada, people have been saying yada, yada, yada for the last uh, whatever it is. Oh, my uh, God. And yeah. they've been saying Serenity Now even more. Ser- that's I what mean, I mean, I, yeah. I told, I told you about the fucking Serenity Now button at TJ Maxx. Yeah, and there's the t-shirt that you saw at Target that we talked about yeah. earlier this episode. Yeah, yeah. so it, it, it obviously worked, and the joke's on us, but watching the episode again now you're going to feel dumb like oh, I can't believe I bought into Serenity now all these years if you've been a lifelong fan for years <laughs> that's the problem that's the problem it don't, we don't, doesn't happen often because but the stuff that you knew about ahead of time when we get to it you're like oh yeah that was great but this is like the first one in a long time that you were like I don't get it why did everyone have yeah. Serenity now fever back in the late 90s and I don't know Ted. yeah <laughs> I wish I could I wish I could explain ourselves but I can't <laughs> Okay, is that it? Oh no, yeah, you have to do your the rest of your stuff. Uh, well, I mean, we also have uh, some uh, oh, some yeah, Newman's yeah, mail yeah. sack to okay. get into. Awesome. So let me uh, un- let me unzip his sack real quick. <laughs> so we got a message from Elio Canella, uh, one of our guys from across the ocean. Hmm. Elio says, "Boys, boys, boys! It's been a while. I've been busy with my wrestling podcast because I have two. WPOV Global and WPOV Quarantine. Hmm. This Wednesday is our very last episode of Global, so that should free up time. But I've been keeping up with your podcast. I can't believe it's already season nine. And I was in Apple Podcasts, which is where I listen to you guys, and I can't believe I forgot about this. I left a review on there back in August of last year, and he actually included a screenshot of this. Um, But I will uh, read that next week. Um, but I don't think we ever read Elio's review because I'm looking at the username yeah, and it doesn't, doesn't ring any bells, but Elio continues. I'm so happy you're finally on season nine because I really want to get your thoughts on the backwards episode. That is ah. one episode that gets both a lot of love and a lot of hate myself. I'm in the middle. I don't necessarily like it, but at the same time, same time, I don't hate it. I will now take my leave and in classic George Costanza, go out on a high note. <laughs> All right. That's it for me. <laughs> Elio, thank you so much, man. That is that's awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to get through this. Uh, I'm uh, nervous. I think about ending season nine just because we've done this for I know uh, over two years now. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's crazy when he mentioned the backwards episode. I mean, it's just crazy how much of a high note they went out on with season nine because like. You know, we had Serenity now. We've still got the Merv Griffin show on the way. We've got Festivus. We haven't, I mean, they saved Festivus until the friggin' very end. So, yeah, it's just crazy how much they did cram into that last episode. And the backwards episode, it, I, no one's, I don't think anyone's done anything like it since. So that's going to be really interesting 
to see. Oh, the strike. I forgot about that one. I mean, there's so many classic episodes in, in season nine, which is kind of like sometimes, you know, poo pooed by fans who were like, oh, after Larry David left, there's nothing good. It's like everyone who says, Simpsons suck after <laughs> season four. Yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck off. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the Simpsons was great through season like 10 or 11. And then uh, like there were very good episodes in every season to air since then. Yeah. I, I, I will stand by that. Like season 10 through 20 gets so much hate but that was like my era of watching simpsons all the time yeah yeah there's definitely some good stuff in there and and i don't watch as much as i used to but you know for sure they i mean that that song from the morrissey episode uh the what is his name quillis holy shit i can't stop i mean that's better than anything morrissey (laughs) has actually written in the past 10 years i'm like how did you guys write a better morrissey song than morrissey i can't stop singing that it's in my friggin' like Spotify playlist that I put on all the time. Uh, yeah, I so yeah, they're they're still it's, the Simpsons is different. That's as much as you can say about it. I don't even think you yeah. can say it sucks. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, next week we've got season nine, episode four, The Blood. Original air date October sixteenth, nineteen ninety seven. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see at his parents' insistence, Jerry is coached by personal trainer Izzy Manovich. Oh boy, lose weight. <laughs> Meanwhile. George decides to associate food and television with his love life. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. Uh, I don't know if the Mandelbaum stuff is going to still be funny, but uh, it'll be good to see him again. And um, yeah, the George storyline, I, I remember being... So we were just talking about um, kinks in this episode, and George is going to discover one. Uh, so <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything else, but all right. Um, is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good. Be good.